I'm Asan, and this is the review pod on the 93-20 player. City dropped points against Burnley on Saturday, drawing 1-1 at Turf Moor. Disappointing, yes, but it ain't the end of the world just yet. Joining me to run the rule is the boss himself, Howard Hocking. How are you doing, Howard? Yeah, okay, thanks. Excellent. Do you like how I've elevated you to my boss? Uh, I want a pay rise then. <laughs> Haven't you just had C- one? CEO wages, please. Haven't you just had one? Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that on off air. Uh, anyway, um, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Not bad. Not bad. I recovered from the weekend, so yourself? Excellent. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. It's snowing in snowing. Paris. Snowing heavily, or nah. You know, we call it snow in Manchester. Yeah. You'd probably call it, I don't know, ice or something like that. But it, uh, it looks like snow to me and it's falling from the sky and it's yeah. very, very, very cold. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, other than that, I'm good. <clears throat> uh, the game on Saturday, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll come to talk about it in detail in a short while. But um, did, it, did it take the shine off your weekend, dropping points at Burnley? No, not really. What is it? Is it the... Uh, well, I'm always disappointed. It's, uh, it's so hard to take now, isn't it? It's like so abnormal in a way. But at the end of the day, you know, someone's... I think uh, Rob Pollard said on Twitter, it's after 26 games now, is it? We've got the highest points total in... Well, at least Premier League history anyway. I expect football history because it used to be two points anyway. So, uh, yeah, we've still got the highest points total ever at this stage of a season for any team. So, drop points for what? Was it the fourth time this season? It's Is it the fourth? Third, yeah. Third, so, no? No, Everton, Liverpool. Uh, oh, Palace. Gustav Palace, Liverpool. Fifth time, maybe? Yeah, no, fourth, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. It, yeah, it's, it feels weird when we drop points and we don't win. And obviously, we'll discuss the. Ch- you know, we had enough chances, but you know, they had a few too. It's not the end of the world, but it's uh, it's a thirteen point lead, which was more than we had a week ago or two games ago. So yeah, we go on, don't we? Thank God we've got a week off anyway. Absolutely. Um, I've got an opening question for you. Uh, Pep only named six substitutes on Saturday, and this has caused a lot of debate, a lot of consternation. Um, to be honest, find it hard to to kind of get excited about that. But what are your thoughts? Did, was it? Um, is he is he trying to make a point to somebody? That's my first question. Well, uh, Go on. Go on. <laughs> no, you go on first. Okay, go. that's my first question. Is is he trying to make a point? And secondly, is it does it say something to the players in the EDS that maybe he doesn't need to say? Right. Well, I'll cut to the chase and say I'm so unasked about this, I can barely muster the energy to even give you an answer. <laughs> And why, you know, if, if this the level of debate that this causes, God knows what would happen if something important actually happened. Uh, you know, if, if oh, ouch. No, no, that's my personal view. It's yeah. So someone might take that as an attack. It's not. People are allowed to have different opinions on this. That's fine. I don't give a damn. <laughs> uh, if you're asking, and some others will. So that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that that's why we have podcasts and why we debate stuff and have different opinions because we don't all we're not all sheep and have the same thing but at the end of the day we, d- we have no idea why he did it he's not i don't think he said i've not heard anything so we can't say he's sending a message i find that very unlikely anyway 
that he's sending a message after the transfer window's ended by leaving a space there. Uh, we have got a few players out, obviously not the only team. My opinion is, and it's again, I'm speculating here. Uh, you put a youth player, I mean, they played the night before, so you put a youth player in, well, you could pick one who wasn't playing, but then you're clearly doing it as a token gesture. Now, that player will obviously get something from the day mixing with the players. So I understand that point of view. However, you know, or you could put one who's played and say, look, you ain't you ain't coming off the bench. Uh, but again, you get the experience. So that's okay. But I would offer an alternative explanation that Pep has the feeling this is how he works and God knows he knows how to deal with people, players as we've seen last year better than I, you or anyone else does, that you earn that place on the bench. So... The youth player, if you're on that bench, it's because you have broke, you're a class above everyone oh, else, yeah. and he thinks you can play for the first team. You're not on the bench to fill a, a space, token gesture, have a nice day, which, let's face it, will make no difference to their career whatsoever. Don't care what people say. It's not going to make them work harder if they're just filled as, a, as an exercise to fill a space on the bench. Pep Guardiola, and I fully understand this, We'll put a youth player on there if they're ready to actually go on the pitch during that match. And I'm fine with that. Uh, okay. I think Nemec... But we don't know what happened. Nemec uh, was not fit. Was he ill? We don't know. He probably was filling that spot. Maybe he became a David Silva. I don't know his situation, but there was talk that he might just make it. So a couple of just haven't made it fitness-wise and he's decided not to do some empty gesture. Uh, I see both sides, but I literally couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, and I feel that, you know, there were, there were academy players on that bench. And if you're in the academy, you'll understand that if you play to, you know, if you're a class above, if you succeed at that level, that you will get onto that bench at some point or further. I don't have a problem with what he did. I just don't, don't feel it's that big a deal. Do you think it's the kind of thing that we as City fans should maybe not overreact about because when you look at, you know, maybe some of the supposed neutrals in the media and, and their reactions to Pep's decision to do this, it sort of feels like it's the kind of thing that, you know, if it was another club, and what I mean by that, if it was a club who wasn't wasn't constantly kind of picked at and and poked and prodded and annihilated in the media then maybe you know you could have a sensible conversation about something like this but because it's us and because we know what a rough ride we get off the media in general and then you put that into the context of what a great season we're having so far then it becomes a bit i think anyway it, my opinion, it's a bit churlish for City fans to get overly upset about it. Not because there isn't a conversation to be had, but simply because it's just a conversation. It's not, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be a statement either about the academy or yeah. about the quality of the players. And it doesn't need to be a statement about anything. Pep Guardiola made a decision as the manager. And there is some logic because some of the younger players who are meant to be part of the first team squad are injured. So, like you said, 
it's a token thing, you know. Of course, like you said, it might be. An, it's not. It's a nice day out for whoever gets promoted to be the seventh substitute. But that seventh substitute is never getting on the pitch, are they? So yeah. it's one. It's one of them where it's just like, you know, we're talking basically about a token gesture here, and people can argue the toss one way or the other about whether or not Pep should have made the gesture. But to try and conflate it into well, this points towards why the academy is pointless or we need to close it down or, you know, kids at City don't get a chance. Seems massive overreaction to me. Yeah, I mean, we all overreact. That's what football fans do. The problem with, you know, we're probably all thinking, we're both thinking about Twitter here, aren't we? Yeah. But uh, overreacting by saying something and it's it's lost in the, the ether. You know, it's just lost in the, in the wind, but... Yeah, when you put stuff down right in, then it's there, isn't it? So, yeah, as soon as the team sheet comes out, there's people shrieking. Uh, I say stuff that a day after I probably think, well, yeah, we're a bit over the top. You know, I'm at a match, I'll shout out a hundred stupid things during the match. Uh, but, you know, because we all get a bit worked up. But, yeah, I, I can't really add more than... Yeah, obviously, so, yeah, because Gary Neville said something on it, that creates its own little uh, story, doesn't it? So obviously, two newspapers report everything he says. Anyway, at least that becomes a story. People react, and it just gets blown up and up and up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's made a decision. He's made a decision that he's not filling it. I just can't. I mean, you can only use three of them, uh, so it's not doesn't really affect our chances in the game. Uh, obviously, by stepping, you give yourself just a little bit more options during the match because you yeah. don't know how it's going to go. You might, you know, an extra midfielder or something. But the seventh player was never getting on the pitch, so no. And so actually, it it's meaningless apart from giving someone an experience. Exactly. But and if he and thinks they need to, ex- if if Pep Guardiola says they need to earn that experience, then fine, <laughs> fine. You know, Gary Neville doesn't know how to manage players. It's it's shown that already. He doesn't have a clue about what it's like to do those sort of things. I don't. You don't. So. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's nonsense. It, it, yeah, you were speculating anyway. We don't know. Yeah, you know, I've not read much about it afterwards. We don't know how it came about anyway. Exactly. I think there should be a general rule on, on social media, right? That as a City fan, you can't agree with Gary Neville. Whatever Gary Neville says about City, the guy's a bellend and you can't agree with him. Yeah. Even if you do agree with him, don't say it out loud. <laughs> you know, just, just leave it. It's Gary Neville. He's The guy's... He tried to be. Uh, he tried to be neutral at the beginning, but he's. Uh, yeah, he's that's gone. Wavering a lot recently. That's gone. That was that was ages ago. I think that you know. I think that 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 experience of of going to Valencia and uh, basically realizing that you're not good enough to be a manager, and then having to come back. I think that he's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he, for me, whatever whatever he began his punditry career as, he's not that thing anymore. He's just a biased rag. He's no different than... For me, he's no different than Rio Ferdinand or Skulls or all these clowns that whenever you see them, and they're just, they're just terribly, terribly, terribly biased. And what I can't get over with Gary Neville now, after his experience in, in Valencia, you'd think he'd be a bit... Uh, you think he'd be a bit more respectful of, of managers and footballers yeah. in, in his criticism, or at least in the way that he talks about certain things, but he still talks in such grand certainties about decisions that managers or players make, and he just sort of go, yeah, I don't know, it's not for me. Uh, anyway, let's move forward and let's actually talk about the uh, the match against Burnley on Saturday. 
Um, were you surprised to see Vinny back in the starting eleven? Because I was. No, not really. Uh, physical side, probably thought dealing with headers. Uh, so him and Otamendi kind of made sense to me. Okay. Well, I mean, Stones is still. I think he's ill stroke bad knee, hasn't he? So it was Vinny or Laporte. Uh, and he obviously thought, you know, obviously the defenders are going to get a bit more of a test than they did against West Brom. Uh, so, no, it didn't surprise me really because the physical side of it, as a pure defender, you know, he's still got it. <laughs> you know, he still can deal with uh, that as well as anyone, I think. Yeah. So. Do you think that we should always have one uh, defender in the squad who is what we would class as a physical defender? What, what I'm trying to get at there is that, you know, Otamendi's obviously improved his, his build-up loads and loads and loads, and that's really important. It's obviously been really important for Guardiola. But I'm talking not in the short term, but in the medium stroke long term whilst Guardiola's at the club. We don't want four ball-playing centre-backs, do we? You want one guy in there who's Vinny, basically who's a warrior. Yeah, that's fair enough, but it depends who you're playing, doesn't it? Yeah. There's, not, there's not many games. Oh, there's a lot of games. Even the home game, you know, against Burnley, where you'd see much more of the ball. Uh, for playing defenders is fine, but any defender, you've got to have some physicality about you anyway. I think they've all got to have a bit of that. You know, so, yeah, it's getting the mix into it, but it depends who you're playing. If it's a, you know, if we're playing a Barcelona type team you're not gonna really need that physicality are you so yeah yeah um well, i think burnley away is probably possibly the most physical of the lot uh but at least they did it they do it the right way rather than uh leaving a stud on the knee so we'll talk about that now actually um i've seen a few people mention the fact that they were that they that they that they did tactical fouling in the right way so as not to endanger um our players. Do you think that was a conscious thing on their part? What not to injure? Well, just to not be reckless in the tackle yeah. in in those in the because because really with the, what we're talking about or from the things that we've seen the incidents that we've seen recently or semi recently as well generally it's when we're on the break so yeah. of, of all of those most of those tackles have come when City are breaking the really really bad ones. Um, look, at, I mean, look at Kevin De Bruyne. He was actually thought he miscontrolled at one point, didn't he? Because in the second half. Because he kept looking over his shoulder, expecting to be uh, hacked down. I was going to say that for that's me, that's how afraid the players are. But I mean, exactly. we've sent we've sent the players out in the media all week, haven't we? Going on about the fouling. Uh, you know, we've seen lots of quotes from Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, and I guess Dyke just thought there could be a, a, a reaction here from the officials, so don't give them an excuse to send one of our players off. Uh, yeah. Or maybe they never do it like that. Yeah, the, they are a physical team, but they're a good team as well. They're well organised, and I don't think I don't think they go for the dark arts as much as we probably expect them to. No, I, mean, I don't. I don't watch enough for Burnley to know how dirty they are. But I didn't think no. that they, I, having been uh, having seen some really dirty tackles in the last few months, uh, it was refreshing that it felt like there was nothing like that for the first time in a long while. In a match, uh, but that that De Bruyne, uh, that piece of play from De Bruyne, where he he looks over his shoulder and he miscontrols the ball because of that. Yeah, as soon as that happened to me, I was like, "Well, there you go." In a way, 
that's what you know if you, if you think about the the impact of things like this on a team on a season on a player it's not just about the injuries and, and stuff like that it's actually about the way it changes the way our team play football because they're afraid of those of those challenges and it and it it has an impact beyond just the injuries as well i was uh yeah, when when that happened, that's the first thing that my mind turns to when he when he knocks that ball a little bit too far in front of him is, wow, that that's a direct impact on the that's a direct result of the tackles that that we faced in the last two or three months. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about that first half, and I I want to start by saying something. I have felt that we are slowly improving. I feel as though we went through a period where. In terms of the quality of our play, it wasn't necessarily there because of the amount of games that we had to play. And I felt as though we were improving. I thought we were, for large parts of that first half, amazing, excellent, incredible. Some of the the passing and the movement and and just like, it's one of those where the, the barometer for this city side shouldn't be the best that we've played this season because that's not fair because the best that we've played this season uh, there's maybe only Barcelona and Bayern Munich in the last 50 years that have been able to play at that level so that shouldn't be our barometer our barometer should be the the five or six teams below us in the Premier League and maybe our three or four rivals across Europe and watching that first half performance it absolutely blew my mind because I was like you know and it actually it the, it blew my mind more as the weekend progressed, and I watched United play, and I watched Liverpool play, and I watched Spurs play, and you sort of go, "Hold on, wow, we pl- what we play is like should be defined as something different to football if the definition of what they do is football, because what we do is, I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm too excited, or maybe I'm trying to." Um, mitigate the fact that it was a 1-1 draw. But the point I'm trying to get at is that we're at a level right now which even transcends a result like this. Would you say that the first half performance merited uh, a monologue like that from me? The approach play did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Was, let's be honest, I don't barely played well. I don't think they gave us any space. And yet some of the one-touch football was... <sighs> as good as anything we've seen. Yeah. And there's one journey, I think it's Sachin Nakani said, a bit of a left field uh, theory here. Sometimes we break and we've got too many options and we're making wrong decisions, I think. Because we're wow. breaking with De Bruyne and we've got players left, right. Some of, yeah, because some of this one-touch football is releasing us and we're pouring forward. And so <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous. Sometimes it'd be easy if there was one option. Yeah, just one player overlapping down the left, and that's where the ball goes. And I think we'll be a bit wasteful because this football for you know in midfield is just creating so much space, and we're we're not quite always picking the right uh, option, the killer pass at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I, just some of it was just uh, a joy to behold. It was literally. You know, four or five, and they have to be inch perfect. There's no space to play with there. Uh, yeah, and it does seem weird after a game where they've had a few chances and, you know, overall not one of our best performances of the season. But there were little bits. If you analyse bits of the game, it's as good as it's been. 
Mm. But I've always said that Christmas, it's hard. You can't judge over Christmas. And you say we're improving. And yet, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne's come out after the match, hasn't he? And he said that he feels absolutely knackered. It feels like shit. Uh, excuse the language, but that's a direct quote. And he was feeling it from the first minute of this game, which is strange because they've had they had no midweek game a couple of weeks ago, did they? Or uh, and they're still tired. So I just hope, yeah, you know, I think it's great from Pep that he's giving them the week off and just closing the place down. There's yeah, still, I think... there's still other levels to go to here because they're, they're clearly not one hundred percent fresh. Yeah, I think that there's a, a, a. We've talked about it before, but I suspect that what De Bruyne's talking about is the as much the mental fatigue as there is mm. the physical fatigue. I think with him there will be physical fatigue because he's being asked to play too many minutes, and I think that you know it, it's that's something that we can probably deal with this season. We'll get away with it this season, right? But I think that we will have come the summer. Uh, that's a massive question that needs to be addressed is how do you manage De Bruyne's minutes? Because I think that if you manage his minutes, then you guarantee that in the big, big, big games, he can have a big, big, big impact. And he has that big, big, big impact anyway. But I think that if you're, you know, if you find a way to maybe take out three or four 90 minute performances that he's put in, since the season has begun, I think you get a fresher, sharper, more impactful Kevin De Bruyne come the running, come yeah. money time. So, yeah, so I think that long-term, we we definitely need to look into that. Look, I think that... <laughs> I think that they know how good they can be as a, as a, as a collective, as a group of players. And I think that they know that they're not playing at that high, 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 top, top, top level because of the number of games that that some of them have have had mm. to play, and you know it, it all. Like when you talk about the tackling and stuff like that, that feeds into the mental fatigue. Like it, I, I can't imagine that. You know, you would think that going onto the pitch on Saturday, that most of those key creative players, somewhere in the back of their heads, were thinking. I wonder if I wonder if somebody's going to try and do me today, yeah. and what am I going to do about it? That must be as as exhausting as having a run. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're, yeah. I mean, it's almost like self defense that you've got to go into a match thinking not just about right. What do I need to do to play football? What do I need to do to protect myself? So they're all, they're all thinking about the summer. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, the world. Well, most of them, not like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, not Bravo I'd, or Alexis Sanchez or players like that, but most of them will be there in the summer, and they're thinking about, you know, they don't want to miss out and stuff like that. No, I think that's secondary, though. I, it's I secondary, do... but it's still playing there, isn't it? Yeah. When these players are there, you know, under when Jesus went down and he thought this is serious, I know at the back of his mind he's thinking, oh no, don't be a, don't leave me injured for into the summer as well. I know they don't want to miss now. They don't want to miss. A title charge, but I'm sure it's at the back of the mind, secondary, third, you know, it yeah, it is there somewhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, obviously, Danilo's goal is it's just an absolute worldie. Uh, at that point, did you feel that we needed that because we've done everything but put the ball in the back of the net? If that makes sense. Yeah, well, we don't score many like that, do we, to be honest? 
Uh, and it's always nice to see. Yeah, just something out of nothing in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being a bit profligate again, but it was too early to make conclusions about how the game was going. But as always, you know, I didn't think we'd lose from that point. So it felt, it felt you know, you couldn't see them. They weren't really creating much at that point. So it felt like, as soon as we scored that, I felt like we'd avoided defeat, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, it's just, what they weren't saying. coming back and getting two goals. Uh, so it felt good for that reason, at least. Mm. Now, just just sort of pressing forward into into the second half, I want to kind of start by talking about Burnley and and really like if you look at the if you look at the season that they've had, their recent form has been has been quite poor by their own standards, and they they've been excellent away from home, and they they haven't been amazing at home. Um, what did you make of them? What what did you make of the, the the overall performance, but also how they handled and how they dealt with what we do and how that compared with other teams? And I think that's going to be the interesting thing over the next two or three years. It's not just looking at City, but looking at what everybody does to deal with City and how they cope with it. So how do you think Burnley coped? Uh, well, they've only, I think they've only lost three at home this season, but I don't know how many draws make up the rest of the games. Uh, no, again, I thought they were impressive at home, and for a while in the cup match, they were impressive. I think they're just a very well organised side, really. Uh, the physical, but not overly physical. Uh, they don't score many goals, but they don't concede either. Did they cope? That I think they cope very well, as I said earlier, with the space that they denied us in midfield. But I still think we could have been quite a few goals up if we'd made better decisions in the final third so I don't think they could have done much more I think they turned up and put in a great performance and they just had their occasional chance every now and then you know if you think of that Edison save they headed a corner uh, wide uh, that was probably in the first half and had another chance in the first half didn't they and it was just yeah so they, they would create the occasional chance they did test our defence uh, not through any it's hard to say how they came about. They're just uh, old-fashioned football in a way. Just cross, good run, uh, good shot, and so on. You know, it's just a bit of movement. Lennon gave him a bit of pace. I don't rate him that highly, but he's a useful player who can cause you problems. And they're just, mm-hmm. they're just a very compact, organised side. And, you know, but we paid for... We should have put them out of sight. You know, I'm sure we'll discuss that in greater detail in a minute. Uh, but they're not... Yeah, they're not an easy team to beat, basically. So I can see why they are where they are. Are they better than the? Are they better than the rest? If that makes sense. So outside the, outside the top six, if you if you look at sort of the rest of the league, it, do they do something yeah. better or more efficient than you know, everyone else? I said organisation wise, I think they are up there. We're better organised than some of the top four teams. Obviously, they don't have the big names that can turn games, or you know that striker can make all the difference. Uh, Barnes is good enough, but he obviously he's not a superstar striker. Uh, I think only Leicester could. You know, if you talk about best of the rest, then Leicester are the the ones I would say are on a par. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, you know, now they're kind of recovering, but uh, yeah. But organisation-wise, it's just, I don't think there's anyone close to Burnley. Hmm. Um, before we what talk do you about, think of them, sir? yeah, I mean, I, everybody knows that that I've yeah. 
been forget, very, forget very, the manager. Very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very critical of 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 Sean Dyche. I, I've disliked him quite intensely in the way that Burnley have played football. Um, but I'm not blind, and I'm not an idiot, and you cannot, you can't, you can't. You can't not look at their the, their transfer budget, their wage budget, the the level of players that they've got in that squad, the the lack of quality within that squad, and then compare it to where they are in the league. You just you, you know, I've got nothing but respect for that. You know, as as much as I've taken the piss out of out of Dice in the past, I just yeah, I'm, I was really really impressed I with. Thought, I thought he'd struggle this season, but. So did I. So did I. I thought Defoe's out for the season. Who's the guy who went to Everton? Yeah, just Michael uh, Keane gone. Keane, yeah. Uh, Tarkowski's been out for a while now. I mean, that's that's sort of the thing that, like, I think that in his own way, Sean Dyche has done really well in the transfer window because, for example, Keane goes, the keeper goes, Tarkowski comes in. It's, it's like it's almost like it's seamless. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like they they seem to they shouldn't be getting better, but somehow. They look more like a Premier League side each season, and that's absolutely down to down to their manager. Um, but then he's—I uh, read somewhere that he's the highest-paid employee at, at Burnley, which is kind of weird for a football club for the highest-paid employee not to be their best player, for yeah. it to be their manager. But maybe it's right because of how yeah. important he is to them. Um, okay, uh, I guess I guess we should talk. We're going to talk about Sterling. I'm going to talk about his miss. But before we do that, let's talk about our attacking play in general and how we seem to... Is it that we're shit in front of goal? Is it that we're... Or is it that when we get into the... Is it the last pass, basically? Yeah. Or is it the the finishing that's the issue? Well, firstly, let's just look at a stat. <laughs> Shots to goals ratio... Go on. We're joint top with United and Leicester, I think, bizarrely, all on 20.2%. Okay. So the stat says we're no less prof- uh, no more profligate than any other team. But we are, we are going to miss chances anyway. Don't matter. You know, every team does that. But I still think we're not. We're making a few decisions that are, you know, not quite right. But I still think that comes with the team growing up together mm. anyway. You know, just think what if we keep keep it together in two years and they know what they do, where they're going to be, the position, it becomes like a sixth sense in a way. And, it, you know, it's like Aguero's through at the end of the first half, probably should have passed it into the middle. But then he opens up for him in the second half and he passes an inch behind Sterling, who hooks it over the bar. And it's just like, if he'd reversed that, we'd probably, he could have had two goals there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just decision making, you know, passing when you should shoot, shooting when you passing just, just didn't feel right on the day for me is there anybody in that forward line who always gets it right not really no okay so Why do you, do think, you that, think there is no i don't nah. and I, I i think that that's probably you know I, I'm, I've, got, I've got to be careful about i'm not be careful i've got to figure out how i want to word this um if you look at the pursuit of sanchez and if you look at the pursuit of Mares. I think the one thing that you would say about those two guys is that in the penalty area, they're killers. Yeah. So, in fact, not just in in and around the penalty area, they are 
uh, players who you would define as absolutely clinical. Um, and I think that our the one th- gaping hole in this squad is that we don't have a single player who I think is clinical. I don't think Jesus is clinical. I don't think Aguero, Aguero used to be clinical. He ain't clinical anymore. Sterling certainly isn't clinical. Sane isn't clinical. De Bruyne is a player who used to be clinical, but he's not because he's playing a little bit further back. He's not getting in. He's not getting into those positions enough, if that makes sense, yeah. for us to make a call on whether he's still clinical. Really, I think it's down to those front three, whoever they are. Bernardo is another one who just isn't clinical enough. Um, but we've developed a very young team, haven't we? So. Exactly. And this it goes is... back to what you said that, you know, to not be clinical today when you're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old is fine. My worry is if you're 29, 30 yeah. and you're still not clinical, then then you've got an issue. But, but Sanchez well, is the most dispossessed player in the league. So, you know, he's not, I won't, he might be clinical in front of goal, but it gives the ball away a hell of a lot. So I don't think anyone's perfect, you know. And that could be very dangerous if we, you know, players disposition. You know, he tries to make things happen. Sanchez, forward players will not have a pass rate of someone like John Stones. Is passing out of defence. You know, it's completely different positions. But yeah, he could have been very dangerous for us if he gets possessed that much, uh, dispossessed that much. So yeah, the you know every player's got the weaknesses in the way. But I see what you mean. There's not someone who just puts it in the bottom corner and knows when to shoot instinctively or when to lay it off. I think you know, and if you, if if I go in the second half and put it five centimeters further forward and and Sterling had scored, you know it's completely different. It's the right decision, so it's fine lines, isn't it? But he did Absolutely. do that, and now he looks like he's he's made the wrong choice. So. Absolutely, and I think that that's the key difference again. Like to yeah, you can't. I can't help but compare City to to Barcelona and Bayern under Pep, and and again the game uh, on Saturday. That that's the key difference. The key difference is that you know they had Messi, right? Who was absolutely you know he he's the most clinical player maybe yeah. ever. Full stop. And then you go to Bayern, and you've got Lewandowski, and you've got Robin, and you've got Ribery, who are absolutely clinical players. And I think that we. That's, for me, the decision-making where you talk about we've got too many options. Here's what my bet is. My bet is that nine times out of De- 10, De Bruyne's looking at the two or three guys in front of him going, which one of these clowns is going to miss this chance today? <laughs> yeah, before he plays that pass. And I think that if there is a player who's absolutely clinical, I think we get better at those at those breaks because the decision-making becomes... A little bit yeah. easier. And that's the forward we will be buying. That's what we hope from them. Plus yeah. the other players being a year older. Yeah, absolutely. With every absolutely. passing season. So Yeah. Do you think we know do you think that we need more experience? Um it I was gonna say in the whole team, but I, I look at I look at the back four and I think, no, actually, we've got a lot of experience there. And I look at the midfield and, and I go, there's a lot of experience there. So it really is just the, the forward line. Because I think in the forward line, it's just Aguero who's got the experience. Is that enough when you're talking about that's how many players? Four, five players. And Aguero's the only one that you would class as being experienced. Is that enough? Well, it's enough for... It's been enough so far this season, hasn't it? So... Uh... I don't, I'm not sure how important that is, to be honest. Obviously, experience is a big thing, you know, especially in big games or tight yeah. moments. 
But, as you say, it's not cost us much this season so far. It may make a big, it might be a, a key point in a, a tight Champions League or a tough Champions League game. But it's not that important in our domestic season, really. No. Uh, and, as you say, we just, yeah, you're playing with time, aren't you? You just want Sterling to be a, a year older. You want Sane to be older. And just, you know, and watch them grow as players. And Jesus as well, because I think that he's yeah. he's also got a massive uh, amount of development still. Yeah, they all, so. yeah they've all got, still got development to come. Mm. Let's talk about Sterling and and his... Uh, the first one, the one that Aguero plays just behind him, I think it took a deflection. Yeah. Um, I, think I, it, I don't I think, see any blame because it was, it was behind him. Yeah, so. I think the defender... It's just behind him and the defender just gets, in, his, yeah. gets, his, gets his foot in. Um the miss, I mean, is obviously to miss from yeah. five yards into into an open net. There's not really Less much. Less than that, yeah. Yeah, there's not really much to be to be said about that. Um, I want to talk about Pep's reaction to the miss, Burnley's reaction to the miss, and our reaction to the miss. Um, I'm going to start by talking about Pep's reaction. Do you think in his head he subs Raz? Do you think that's an emotional decision based on the miss? Yeah. He doesn't sub him a lot, does he? No. Uh, this is a player who scored about five, I don't know how many last-minute winners. So he's not the obvious player to come off. So maybe he's looked at the game as a whole, though, and thought he wasn't playing well. But, yeah. I, you know, personally, I'd have kept him on. I might even have shifted him sides. Just, you know, do something new. Because he thought... Sterling, more than anyone, is a player who misses a chance, then keeps going and scores one. Yeah. Literally so. done it time after time after time. We know his shooting's still not perfect, though a two-yard miss is a two-yard miss. You know, whichever, whatever your history, it's, you know, come on, I'd have got that. So, well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd have kept him on and let him, you know, he's... he's he saved himself before after misses. You know, he's rectified the situation. Uh, I think Everton at home with that goal, I'm sure he blazed one over before. Do you then. think... I yeah, just, you, I'd have kept him on, yeah. Uh, maybe swapped him side, just give him a, you know, a new angle to a new uh, position uh, and just say, run at them. Yeah, have a word with him and say, just go at them, don't let it get you down like you did. You know, like you did after he missed last week. Mm. And do you think... That- it just, yeah... It, yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to say after the event, but I'd have kept him on, definitely. Do you think that Pep's uh, got away with it in terms of, I've not really seen much much criticism of that substitution or even much conversation about it, but to be honest, I watched it. In It's not a hindsight thing. I'm, I'm watching him going, why are you doing that? That's that's the wrong thing to do here because Bernardo's not, you know, their, their bus is parked and their bus has been parked and Bernardo's not really getting much joy out of it. And Sterling might keep missing chances, but he's in those positions to miss those chances, which is, yeah. he, he gets there because his relentlessness, because of his pace, because of his strength, all of those things that, or a lot of things that Bernardo doesn't have that Raz has got, which is why Raz gets into those positions. So for me at the time, I'm going, that's the wrong substitution. Now I want to ask you another question. How do you think Brahim did when he came on? Uh, just ran into a few blind alleys again didn't get a huge amount of time didn't do much of no not much more you can say really is there but that's a game that 
I know you're going to tie it into their comeback, perhaps, but uh, are you going to do that? Well, <laughs> no. Yes and no. Yes, yes and, and no. no. They don't. They don't equalise because Brahim's on the pitch no. and Raz was sub. That's that's absolutely not what I'm trying to get at here. What certainly I think is worth worthy of a conversation um, is. I have been as vocal as anybody in saying since the transfer window closed, this is amazing because this is an opportunity for Brahim to show what level he's at and what impact he can have. Um, And I think that it was interesting on Saturday because I think that at 1-0 up against Burnley, with the amount of chances that we have been creating up until that point, it becomes an opportunity for Brahim when he comes on, whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 16 minutes that he has. It's, it's a chance because every other player on that on that pitch is a, is a first-team player and the game isn't over. The game is absolutely in the balance. And I think this is just my opinion and maybe people will disagree with me. I think what we saw when Brahim came on is just how big the gulf is between him and Raz between him and Leroy right now, because I felt that he had almost no impact and I felt that it affected, not that it's Brahim's fault because he didn't choose to be subbed on at that point. I feel as though it affected the performance of, of everybody. I feel as though that substitution and absolutely Burnley up their game, their crowd have got some at uh, to get behind because Raz has, has made that miss and then uh, Pepper subbed him. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, it was a dichotomy, is it? It's like, we want to give him time, but we don't want to give up any points in the league. Now, obviously, he's not as good as Sane. Can't, a 17-year-old kid, or is he 18? Yeah, a kid's not going to be as good as Sane or Sterling, and they're not used to coming on... I mean, even Sané comes on, he's immediately at ease on the pitch because he's been on that pitch with the players around him so many times already. He's represented his country. It's just that he's there. Diaz isn't. Foden isn't. They're not going to have the effect. So you have to... You know, people want these youth players to have time, but we're, we're all up in arms. that The gap's down to 13 now. I'm panicking looking at the fixture list, thinking, oh my God... We've got to go to Spurs. We've got to play United. Oh no, what if Chelsea beat us? And it's like, well, which is it? You know, if you give the youth players time on the pitch, we may lose something on the pitch because it will take time to develop them. So what what is our lead in the table with games to go ratio that we can give them starts and let them develop? And if they make mistakes and if we drop points, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, the overwhelming priority is winning the league. Yeah, I think what's happened here, Howard, um, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else, is that I think that a lot of us lot have been affected by the negative media that surrounded uh, us potentially spending money in January. So I think the kind of the furore around, you know, the idea that, you know, the headlines that, oh, well, City are going to buy a £50 million stopgap in in, in Mahrez because they've got a player injured for six weeks and it's disgraceful how much money they've spent and they're spending and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that because of that, we're sort of, and I'm absolutely guilty of it, that I'm going, yeah, 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 Diaz, yeah, yeah, let's give him a chance because he's, we don't need Mahrez because we've got Diaz and we forget, listen, Pep knows these players better than all of us. And if Pep's trying to bring two 
forwards in, different, you know, he's trying to bring a forward in in January. It's because Diaz isn't quite ready. And we, yeah, I think we need to to respect that. And I need, as much as anybody else, I think that I need to to, to try and take a step back from my yeah. desire to see Diaz being given a chance and accept that Saturday is an example of how he's maybe a bit young to be expecting him to make an impact off the bench. He's maybe a bit young to be expecting him to start games right now. Maybe he needs another year or two of 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 development before he gets there. Do you think that's a fair shout? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all want a young player to come through. You know, foreign, English, the ultimate is Foden because he's Stockport-based. You know, it's like, that's exactly, you know, it's the perfect path, really, for a player to shine in our team. Mm. And then you say, you know, and there's people argue, well, that would mean more. You know, to see a youth player come through and play at the highest level would mean everything. And it would be amazing. But then ask yourself this, could you ever love that player more than Kevin De Bruyne or David Silva, who didn't come through the youth? Yeah, that's a... Could you? That's a, yeah, it's a good <laughs> question. Could I, could I love... Could I love Foden more than, than Silva? Foden becomes Steven Gerrard to us. Yeah, what Steven Gerrard to Liverpool was. If he becomes that to us, would you love him more than David yes. Silva? Yes. Yeah, and he doesn't need... He there's, doesn't not much need to be as... there's not much further I can go in uh, <laughs> player love after David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne. A... Yeah, that's a, absolutely. It's a fair shout. But if Foden does it because he's from Stockport, but then I'm kind of from Stockport, so... That means that I was always going to well, say that it would we, mean more to me. We all are. So. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, hey, listen. Their goal. Did you feel it was coming? Yeah. Well, not coming, but this is the age-old problem. It's like you're 1-0 up. It's happened to City plenty of times. It's happened at home more than away, I think. As soon as you get to that 10, 15 minutes, they've got nothing to lose. The mentality changes completely from a team that thinks it might get thrashed to a team that's saying, we ain't getting thrashed. Uh, we're still in this game. Let's go for it. Mm. And you just see the game shift. Obviously, the Sterling miss probably, you know, in their mind, I think so, with, you know, has helped as well with the mentality. And it just happens in game. It's the psychology of a game again. If suddenly they're like, we're going for this. And, you know, it's it's nothing spectacular. It's just getting the ball out. It's putting crosses in. But, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't out of the blue, let's put it that way. It was certainly something that didn't really surprise me. In the uh, run-up to, in the run up to that, the game. Yeah, the, in the run-up to the game, the thing, the goal, the game, the goal, in the run-up to the goal, um, the thing that I thought was that for about two or three minutes, every second ball fell to Burnley. Yeah. Every pass that they made was perfect. Every run that they made was perfect. Like, if you look at that goal, it's a little bit like the... For me, it felt a little bit like the goal that we conceded against Bournemouth, yeah? Yeah. In, in that, you sort of go, well, all right. Like, you know, we could pick apart City's defending, but at the same time, like, that's, you know, they've that, to do that... Everything has gone exactly, you know, you've got to do, three players have got to do nine out of 10 things for that goal to become a goal. And they do that and it becomes a goal. And if three players need to do nine out of 10 things and they do do that, then you kind of hold, you just got to hold your hands up and go, yeah, yeah. okay, all right. You know, yeah, that's football. These are premiership players. They'll make runs. <laughs> they'll make runs that won't be picked up. They'll do stuff. They'll shoot brilliantly. 
you know, we can't always mark them. We can't always just negate everything they do on their ground. It's just the way it goes. But obviously, you know, we, we've, we've said previously we've not talked about Walker virtually the whole season because he's just gone about his business mistake-free. But, you know, if you're picking up a mistake, it's his because he just doesn't follow the runner at all. Let's him come blindside. Uh, and that's where the goal comes from. But, you know, as I say, I can't remember the last time he made a mistake. So it happens, doesn't it? And it's a perfect cross. I think that's the thing. Oh, that, yeah, it's like, belter, yeah. You know, that, and, and that's where, that's my thing with with some of these goals that, that we do concede is that, uh, particularly the Burnley one, where, as I say, I just felt that there was that, for me, when I, when I feel a goal coming, it's about those two things that I mentioned. It's if City can't get hold of a second ball for two or three minutes and suddenly the opposition, you feel like every action that they're making, they do the correct thing. So every pass is exactly where it should go and the, the decision that the player makes is the right decision. When you see that, that's when I feel a goal coming because I feel that that's the level that you need to be at to get through City. Um, okay, listen, are we in danger of jinxing this title running. I've got a couple seen a couple of tweets from people that have said, you know, maybe this will will teach us and the Blue Moon podcast to close our mouths about, you know, wanting to win the whether we want to win the league by beating United or we right. want to give us a guard give them a guard of honor. Is it too early to be talking about those things? Yeah. Are we in have danger we of jinxing that? Sorry? Have we mentioned guard of honors and yeah, we did on me, me and Stefan talked about it on the Friday show. I asked him, <laughs> and I'm actually going to ask you as well because I don't think I'm jinxing anything. But firstly, let's talk about the jinx. Are we in danger of jinxing this? Now, there's no such thing as a jinx. So. I mean, I'm the most superstitious man in the world, so I enter through the left turn style always. <laughs> Games where the same trainers uh, I put my shoes on after <laughs> I put my shoes on before I put my money in my pocket before I go out because if I don't then City aren't going to win the game but I know it's all utter drivel uh, and you saying something on the podcast is not going to affect City's results so mm. uh, not much more I can say than that I'm not really bothered about guard of honours I don't think we have to give them anyway I just want us to wrap up the, the league as soon as possible that's all I care about okay uh, um, you know just don't stress me out by taking it to the last day and like the other two. I just don't want the last two. I mean, after the event, there were amazing seasons that gave us some of our greatest moments. But in my lifetime, I want one comfortable league title. Yeah, where we just cruise to a title. <laughs> you want yeah, to walk and enjoy it with time to go. It might be boring, but let's just enjoy yeah. it. And of course, yeah. if we do, as we've already mentioned, that that makes us much stronger in the other competitions that we're left in. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about a couple of individuals. Uh, one, uh, very positive. Um, I want to talk about uh, Gundogan. Um, what did you make of his performance? I've seen a lot of mixed stuff online, to be honest. Some okay. saying he's utter rubbish, to some saying he's brilliant. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, he, he shared the same uh, weakness as everyone else, is that they didn't have that killer instinct around the penalty area. I still think, you know, if you look at the touches and the way we dominated possession again, the ball and the attacks we had, uh, I think he did just fine. Yeah. I think I think he admits, I think Pep admits he's still in rehabilitation in a way. Mm. He's still waiting to be the player he used to be, yeah. uh, which could take six months of not getting injured. Well, I think... Uh, but my- I think it, him, you know, but I was still shown properly in the last few weeks. They might not be doing Kevin De Bruyne stuff or David Silva, but they've shown 
their worth in this squad and team. I just, I, I think I thought was, he's, go on. Oh yeah. I thought, thought he was excellent. superb. Yeah. I thought it was superb. I thought it was, you know, we, we controlled that midfield. So. No, we did. But for me, it's, it, there's a difference for me. The big thing is that I feel sometimes when, when Gundogan plays that we, that he can be a bit, that we don't control the midfield as well Passive. as we do. When, yeah, that we're a bit passive. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that I feel as though sometimes he's he's so keen to get into the box and get on the end of something that whereas whereas Silver will, you know, tend to survey from about, you know, three or four yards outside the penalty area as as we're building up and he's he's constantly in that sort of looking in that pocket space to just collect the ball and play somebody in. Whereas Gundogan, for me, likes to make that run in behind maybe a little bit too much where you, you need him to be a little bit deeper because that's how we remain in control and we stop sort of turning the ball over. Um, I thought he was much better at that on on Saturday. Now granted I've not had a chance to watch the Golden Bat, so it was a it was a first impression, but that's one of the things that struck me. I felt he was playing from much deeper. I felt he was making the right decisions in coming all the way back to collect the ball from Otabendi or from Edison or from from Vinny. Uh, and yeah, when we were when we were in that final third, I, I felt he was more intelligent in his in his movements in when uh, when to stay deep and, and when to make the runs in behind. Um w- what did you make of his performance? Oh, sorry, Gundogan still or yeah, Gundogan. Yeah, no, I say I was, I was, I was generally impressed. That's what surprised me. Okay, was, yeah, how people interpret stuff online, but I guess it's a strange one. Uh, I thought it was excellent generally. Yeah, I've had a it's few of a, those. It's just a game, you know, it was a team as a whole that was just like that killer instinct, but not specifically to him. It was mm. especially live early in the second half where he was really trying to make stuff happen, but just didn't quite come off. So. Mm. Um, and the second player I wanted to ask you about because I saw mixed reports to his performance was Vinny um, what did you think? Uh, we just didn't have yeah we just not the don't have the passing range of uh, some of the other defenders but again I thought I thought he did fine uh, want to blame for the goal yeah they've got a couple of chances in but he's what he is he's in the twilight of his career and I thought he did fine Find Joe in that game. Yeah, you can't stop everything. Uh, just glad to see him on the pitch. To be honest, uh, yeah, I was I was generally happy. It was a seven out of ten performance. I thought not spectacular, but I think he marshaled the defense pretty well. Yeah, what did you I, think? Sir? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd more or less go along with that. I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was great. Um, I think that he's that was the right sort of game. I was yeah. surprised to see I was surprised to see him in there because I thought that Laporte had played so well in midweek that it was hard to see him not starting again. Um so I was surprised to see Vinny getting the nod, but then I thought his performance was overall I thought his performance was great. I know that he there was a few I saw a few shouts that, you know, Oh, he, 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 you know, he's he's just not he's knocked a few balls aimlessly long. Um, I slightly disagree with that. I think that there are certain games in which Guardiola lets the goalkeeper and the centre halves yeah. play long passes 
more often than he does in other games. And I felt that Burnley was, the t- it, it felt from the way that all the defenders were playing and the way even Edison was playing that they'd been instructed today also look for the long pass, particularly if they try and press you high up the pitch. And I think that they, I think that that's, it's more a case of him being instructed to do that rather than the implication that I saw on social media, which was just that he's not very good with the ball. So he was just hoofing it long for the sake of it. Yeah. It's all right. To, it is all right to welly the ball up the field occasionally. So. Absolutely. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a, a proponent of the occasional welly, but yeah. only the occasional welly, Howard. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly more in, in, in Pep's, uh, Pep's build up school than, than I am. than I am anything else. Um, okay. Who was your man of the match? I'm going to go for Edison, I think. Mm. Just for his distribution. Some of question, could he have got to the goal? Well, it's just a reaction into it gets his hands so it doesn't go in. Uh, but for one, uh, one spectacular save. Uh, wasn't there a save I've forgotten in the first half as well? I think so. I think yeah. for, for me, there was there was two big, big, big saves. And then there was the, the build-up. Yeah, distribution, distribution and the build-up. was just yeah, under pressure a lot of the time. We just passed in between two Burnley players. Uh, in a game where no one was head and shoulders above anyone else, uh, yeah, you've got to look to that save as a defining moment in a way. Definitely. And also just because Kevin De Bruyne is our best player in every game. and if we, yeah. But we can't give him out of the match in, in every game. Hey, listen, was it, was it Sean Dyche who said that... Uh, Edison is like having Ronald Koeman in net, or yeah. was that was that it, him after the game? I think it was, yeah. Excellent. Well, in that case, Sean, you're all right with me, mate. I know okay. that I've given you some stick before, but you're all right with me now. Um, okay, I think I think we've uh, I think we've safely covered everything there, Howard, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, it's one of those days. It was. It was indeed one of those days. And but you know, I think that it keeps us on on our toes. And I think that in a way, we as a supporter base can think the worst, but can also become super super complacent super quickly as well. So in that sense, you know, it's not over yet. Even though it feels like it's over, the results like this will ensure that you know the. The relevance of the upcoming Premier League games remains as 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 high as it should be, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Even though I know that you would like the League One, like tomorrow. Oh yeah, one last thing before I let you go because I asked uh, Stefan this on Friday. So since we're in the process of jinxing this this league title, the question I've got for you is this: Would you prefer to know we've won the league and make United give us a guard of honor for the derby at the Etihad, or would you prefer? for us to have to get a point or three points against them so we can have that feeling of we beat United to win the league. Which would you prefer? Uh, well, they don't have to give us a guard of honour anyway. So there'd be an interesting moral dilemma for Mourinho about how big a arsehole he wants to be about it. So there's every chance we wouldn't get one, which in itself would be humorous because it would be deeply embarrassing for United if Mourinho refused to do one, I would probably go for the latter. Go on, lad. Just like me. Because there's plenty of time left. I mean, we could lose it and we'll go, well, we're going to win the league anyway. Exactly. Exactly. It's imp- Whereas- virtually impossible not to win the league cut with that scenario. Yeah. I'd prefer it if it was one point, though. <laughs> uh, but to win it against them is probably far more 
bigger thing to crow about than uh, having a guard of honor. I think. Mm. Well, either, thing- either would either would suit me fine. Let's be honest. Okay, and the other thing I wanted to ask you because Stefan raised it on Friday, and I, I wondered if, uh, if you I've felt got a question after you as well. Okay, um, is Stefan? Stefan said that he felt that maybe there wouldn't be the because of the way the seasons unfolded that maybe wouldn't be the eruption of joy when we win the league that there has been previously. Would you go along with that? Yeah. Well, it'll be mid. It could be mid-season as well. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's like, well, we've got a Champions League game next week and we've got this, or a semi-final of the Cup or quarter-final or whatever. Yeah, if we do keep our lead. So winning it mid-season for starters, winning it at Cancer obviously takes a bit off compared to winning it on the last day, which is mm. all we know in the last yes. two. But I still think, you know, but the West Ham, the win against West Ham to win it over Liverpool in 2014 was still less joyous than the... QPR match but then how couldn't it be but it was kind of because there was a Liverpool were losing anyway to Newcastle for a lot of that game it was kind of a done deal as soon as we scored we only needed a point anyway Yeah. so we kind of just cruised over the line then so yeah circumstances are important I think I think you know within ourselves we'll enjoy it but there won't be that that instant uh, eruption because of the way it's happened, but still means as much in the long term. Definitely, Probably means I think that's more because I... we've yeah you know, to do it by a lot of points is more impressive than to do it in the last day of the season. So, mm. and I think that's why I'd love it if it was uh, if we needed to to beat United or to get a point against United because I think that Stefan said it and I certainly agree with him that that's how you get the eruption of joy if oh, you yeah. beat if you beat if you beat the Rags to win the league in April. Come on, I mean that's. How can you not be out in town for a month after that? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, okay, what did you want to ask me before I wrap this up, Howard? Uh, about the reaction to the Sterling miss that the pods had replies to on Twitter. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, your thoughts basically. Is yeah, it specific- I, mean, I mean, the miss is appalling. So, but so was De Bruyne's last season. Uh, yeah, against Chelsea, you know, splitting hairs about which is worse in a way. Uh, De Bruyne's was probably more important the loss in the way I think uh, it was I mean yeah at the time you don't know that it's just how the way the season pans out probably didn't make any difference to be honest we were well off the pace for a title race uh, but fact is yeah we, we have a problem with Sterling and his finishing he's still not natural he gets a lot of his goals because his position is second to none uh, literally just when is he not in the right position a lot of the time what is his reaction? His reaction to him missing different to everyone else missing. Yes, in a word, I think that. Uh, and does his price tag matter? No, another thing mentioned. No, I don't. Th- for me, I don't think his price tag matters. I think. I mean, most of the players are expensive anyway, aren't they? So exactly, it's like you know, what's what's this? What? How much it costs? What's that got to do with with that particular? Action? Are we saying that because he cost a certain amount of money, he can't do that? Well, then De Bruyne can't do that either. So if we're going to talk about whatever you're going to level at, at Sterling, you've got to level it at De Bruyne as well. And that's where this stuff begins to get under my skin. It's like you're, nobody's saying anything about De Bruyne because, you know, he's Kevin De Bruyne. He's maybe the best footballer in the world right now outside of Messi and Ronaldo. 
But when it comes to Sterling, you might not be the best footballer in the world outside of Messi and Ronaldo, but his impact on our side and on our team this season has been at the level of those players. And if he's having that sort of impact, then, you know, he he earns the right to, he's earned the right to balloon that over the bar and not to immediately have loads of blues atting him to call him, you know, all sorts and it's just, it's one of those weird things that I, I can't get my head around this idea that I feel like sometimes we do the work of the shit tabloid press for them because there are certain, like the, like the naming six substitutes instead of seven. It's like, it's a storm in a teacup. So why are we as blues making so much noise about it when you know there's going to be noise in the media about it? It's just, yeah. to, to, to me, I'm just like, Okay, you can go, oh, that was a bad miss, but Canal lads, move on after that. You've, you know, it's a miss. We drew a game, but you move on. And again, I'm not trying to pick at other players, but I'm gonna say it. Aguero's missed some absolute sitters this season. Yeah. But you're not allowed to you're not allowed to say Aguero's missed some absolute sitters this season because Aguero's a legend. Well, Aguero's a legend because he's been at this club for a lot of years and because of 93-20, Raheem's only been here a few years and he will have the opportunity to to become a City legend over the next sort of four or five seasons, particularly with Guardiola as his manager. And And I just, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I think that we should be a bit more circumspect in when what we criticize and when we criticize it and i'm you know i'm not trying to tell people how to think i don't want to be the thought police no, but it's a shit miss so you're allowed to say yeah. that's an appalling missed right yeah. sterling because that's what it obviously is yes. it depends how far you go after that exactly and how long you talk about it for i mean granted we're we've been talking about it for five minutes now on a podcast but i just i mean the social media sort of uproar and it's not just social media i mean I'm sure the regular media will be will be will be all up in Sterling's ass about it as well. It's just it's one of those things where I just I think that somebody like Sterling is treated unfairly in that it doesn't matter how many good things he does. If he does one bad thing, everybody goes, oh, see. I absolutely guarantee that there are people who will only come onto message boards when he does something crap. We don't talk about him any other time. They will come onto a message board when he's it, it does a miss. They don't discuss him any other time. They don't yeah. suddenly come on and discuss Aguero when he has a miss. They discuss Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Because and it's like... The City fans don't think he's a very good footballer still. Yeah. Uh, and it's... You know, it's a game of opinions and all that. So, But, yeah, you but know, if you go on Twitter, you'll see there are a lot of people sat in grounds who have people behind them slagging off Sterling from the first minute to the 90th. Yes. And you can and make I... your own conclusions as to why these people still can't get behind him. But... At the end of the day, all we want is our play- to do what's right for our players. So I'll quote what Gary Smales said, made a great point on Twitter to the pod. Ask yourself if having a go at him will make him more or less confident the next time he has a chance. Exactly. Or, or, or next season. And there's your answer on how you should react. Exactly. And also, like, there's this thing where, like, I've had a few tweets sent my direction for people going, like, well, you know... You've been a big champion of Sterling's, but you can't defend that miss. It's like, well, not trying to. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to attempt to defend the miss, but like, 
why should he have to defend it? Never mind me. Like, is he the only footballer on earth that's missed the chance? I'll go back to that thing of... He gets treated differently than other footballers, not just by the outside world, but by some of our lot as well. And I think that that needs to change and that needs to be part of a wider thing where we need to look at what is important and what isn't important. And Raz's miss, for me, is the same storm in a teacup that uh, naming six substitutes is. And you have to ask yourself whether by adding to the noise... You're actually adding anything to the discussion yeah. or whether it's just noise. Um, but then, hey, people will say, what is your podcast, mate? It's just noise, just people and their opinions, which would also be fair enough. Um, right, Mr. Hawking, I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. Um, thank you very much. You're welcome. To everybody who listened, as always, thank you very much. Thank you for subscribing to the 9320 player. Um there's no midweek game this week, but there will be a League Matters podcast on Wednesday for you to look out for. We'll be back on Friday with another Friday show previewing the game against Leicester, which will definitely be interesting. See if Mares is actually going to play for them or whether he's still on strike. And look out in a few weeks' time once we've got through the round of 16 in the Champions League, provided that we do get past Baal, um, Marty Perrinow will be joining us again to uh, look at the latter stages of the Champions League and what we can expect from City and from Pep. So yeah, thanks for listening and uh, up the blues. <laughs>